0: series called one hit wonders can anybody tell me who played that song who's that song by boom nobody in first service could wild cherry that is nice man good for you um some of you are like, Wild Cherry, who's Wild Cherry? And that's the thing. Most of us, when it comes to one-hit wonders, we have no idea who this is by, right? Like we have, we know the song, but we don't know the person. And what I love about this series is every week of this series, we're going to be doing a different one-hit wonder. Um, I don't want to say too much. There may be some Hanson involved, um, but... I'm not sure. I'm, not, I'm really not sure. I forget what songs we do. But here, here's, I've, I've got so much to get to in so little time. And so, and that seems like it's every Sunday, right? So we've got baptisms we're going to get to, and we're going to make sure we get to them. So I want to give us a definition from Urban Dictionary. And I found out something this week. You got to be really careful what you look at on Urban Dictionary. So um, Urban Dictionary defined one-hit wonders as this, it is defined as a band or singer while during any time in their existence has, had only, has only one song achieved the hit status after which they fizzle out and disappear, never following up their initial success, right? Some of you are wondering, how in the world are they going to make a sermon series out of this? That's how, right? Is, check that out that they have one song achieve the hit status after which they fizzle out and disappear, never following up with their initial success. And today, this series, that's what the whole idea of this series is, is how do you not just be great for a moment? How do you not just just kill it for one chapter of your life? But how do you and I kill it, how do we really live a significant life for for, for the, all of life, in every aspect, for every season of life, how do you and I just keep living the life God has called us to that is significant, and that we just look at it and say, man, I, I lived it really, really well. I, I did really, really good, because I, I don't know... You, you don't know me, a lot of you, but what I do know about you and about me is that all of us have this felt need that we want to live our life in a way that it had meaning, that it made a difference. And not just for a moment, but that you and I don't fizzle out, that we don't become a one-hit wonder that we don't become like so many books you read, right? And some of you are like, I don't read books. But so we don't become like so many movies you watch, right? Where they start off really good and at the end you're just like, man, that, that started so good. That book started so good and then it just kind of fizzled out. And so our text for this series is found in Second Timothy chapter 4. And 2 Timothy chapter 4, the reason this is such a big letter, book of the Bible, it is the last letter Paul writes to his apprentice Timothy. It is the last chapter of the last letter that Paul is writing. And he writes this one verse that is going to be your memory verse for this series. That's gonna be something I want you to write on your mirror, write on your dashboard, What not with Sharpie, but write on a post-it, right? That, That you put, that you look at, and that this would be your mantra for the rest of this year, your motto, your slogan. Second Timothy chapter four, verse seven says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful man that that we could say that toward the end of our life the man i i i didn't just fight because some of us were like oh i fight good no that's not what this says right like you're like i'm a really good fighter no 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 that i fought the good fight that i fought for i fought after the things god was telling me to fight for i fought for my marriage i fought for my relationship with the lord I fought for my kids, I fought for my finances, I fought to live this life of significance, that I ran the race and I ran, as Paul said in another letter, I ran with purpose in every step, right? That I ran the race God set before me and here it is that I remained faithful. That I didn't just do that, that I didn't just fight a good fight, that I didn't just uh, uh, run the race that God had called me for a season, for a moment, for some aspect, for some part of my life, but for my whole life that I didn't fizzle out like some one-hit wonder, that I'm not a one-hit wonder when it comes to my life. So the goal is this today, is that you and I would not be spiritual pumpkin lattes, right? Right? that you and I would not be spiritual pumpkin lattes. What do you mean by spiritual pumpkin lattes? Here's the deal about spiritual pumpkin lattes. Spiritual pumpkin latte, oh, well, pumpkin lattes aren't real coffee. I'm just gonna let you know, um, it's not. It's, it's not, it's, can we agree? It's not. Um, and men, if you, men don't drink s- pumpkin spice lattes. I'm just gonna let you know. Um, sorry, sorry, put it down, Brandon. Um, but... Like, I do, I do. Hey, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I gotta stop. Um, but, but they're not out for the summer, right? At least that I know of, they're not out for the summer. They come out in the fall, why? Because they are a seasonal drink and that you and I wouldn't just be good for a season, but we would be good for a lifetime. And you may think, well, Justin, that's pretty easy. I can do that. But you would be surprised how... Hard it is to remain faithful, to run the race, to fight the fight that God has called you to fight, not just when you've got kids in the house, not when you're just a newlywed, but do you know the second highest rate of divorce is when the kids leave the house? What happened? Somewhere along the line, we stopped running the race. We stopped fighting the fight, and we fizzled out when it came to our marriage, when it came to being the man and woman of God he's called us to be. There's a study by Dr. Robert J. Robert Clinton. He's a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary. He spent 15 years conducting extensive research on the lifelong development of Christian leaders. In an exhaustive search of the Bible, he identified approximately a thousand leaders. Most were mentioned only by name. This includes from the Old Testament patriarchs, priests, and military leaders to the New Testament, uh, apostles, evangelists, and teachers and disciples, sufficient information was only available for 49 prominent leaders to analyze how they finished, right? So out of 49 people out of the Bible, if this guy could, could find, could research a life, could find out how they start, how they finish, check this out. The results were shocking. Only 30% of leaders in the Bible finished well. That, that, let me read that. Only 30% of leaders in the Bible finished well. That means 70% fell short of God's plan for their life, right? And and we may think, well, this this should be a no-brainer. It should be a no-brainer. But my goal is that you and I would not be part of the 70%, that we would be of that rare breed that is the 30%, right? That, That you and I would live in such a way that we don't phase out, that we don't fizzle out, but we own it. And we own the responsibility of running after what God has called you and I to run after. And if we're going to do this, there are two things that we have got to do really well, and we've got to understand. And the first thing is this we've got to understand complacency steals devotion and leaves you apathetic. Complacency is your enemy. Let me say that again complacency is your enemy. And complacency is something that every one of us is going to battle in some area of our life. And complacency's number one job, to be complacent, simply means this, a feeling of being satisfied with how things are and not wanting to try to make them better. Complacency of just being okay with the way things are, it is what it is type attitude, right? Complacency always steals devotion. It always comes in and it keeps you from fighting the good fight, from running the race with endurance, from remaining faithful because you come into this place and you just become complacent. You become apathetic. It steals your devotion. Devotion means this, dedication, enthusiasm, passion, right, or faithfulness. This is big, so, so, complacency, this thing to be okay with the way things are, my spiritual life being okay with the way things are, steals my enthusiasm, it steals my faithfulness, it steals my dedication, and it replaces it with apathy, which means to be have an uncaring attitude or lack of interest, to be indifferent, that whatever happens, happens. Here's what complacency does to us: it turns you into a teenage boy, right? Why'd you do that, son? And, and uh, guys, I'm not picking on teenage guys today. Every man in here was more than likely this way. So I remember my dad, son, why'd you do that? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not even gonna look at him, I, I don't know, you know. And, well, what were you thinking? I don't know, I wasn't thinking, dad. I wasn't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, okay, right? Like, I was just, I was complacent, I, I just was okay, I just wanted to be done with, like, I, I'm, I, it is what it is, right? And some of us, that's what's happened in our life. That's what's happened in our spiritual walk. That's what's happened in our marriage. That's what's happened with us being parents. That's what's happened with us just being the man and the woman God has called you and I to be. And here's what I can tell you from Paul is that nowhere in Scripture does God tell us just to put it on coast. To put it on cruise and just to cruise into the existence of your retirement. No, 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 no. That's, that's not even a biblical viewpoint of the way you and I are called to live our lives. But you and I are called to keep fighting, to keep running, and to remain faithful. I love this quote by Benjamin E. Mays. It says this, the tragedy of life is often not in our failure, but rather in our complacency. Not in our doing too much, but rather in our doing too little. Not in our living above our ability, but rather in our living below our capacities. And I think, man, that is so true for so many of us. And what apathy does and what apathy leaves you with is you may be present in body, but you're not really present in the moment. You're not really there. And some of us, right now, you haven't really been present as a parent. You haven't been present as, as at work. You haven't been present, and you've gotten complacent when it comes to your relationship with God. And you're like, I, I'm, I'm good with whatever it is. I'm good with wherever I am. It is what it is, Justin. And I, I just don't know. And, and hear me, complacency will always lead you to a place that it steals your faithfulness. It steals your passion. It steals your desire to keep fighting and to keep running and to finish well and it replaces it with you and I becoming apathetic. Because if you and I are gonna really live life and if we're not gonna fizzle out and if we're not gonna be a one-hit wonder, you and I have to be present to win, right? You know this, when you go to drawings, you go have all these different raffles, the, the, the requirement for a lot of them are you have to be present to win. That if you aren't present in body, you are null and void, and you can't claim the price. Can I tell you that is true when it comes to life? You have to be present, not just your body warm in a seat. You have to be in the moment, not more distracted by your phone when your wife is talking to you, when your husband is talking to you, when your teenagers is talking to you, when your parents are talking to you. But you are in the moment. You have to be present in order to live your life out in a way that is faithful, that is impacting, and that is owning the moments. And and we think, okay, this this should be something that you and I know, but there's so many people in the Bible, 70% of them to be exact, that didn't finish well, that didn't remain faithful, that didn't run their race like they should, that didn't fight like they should have fought. One of those people you and I know, and he's going to be our main example today. He's a guy named King Solomon. And in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1, it talks about Solomon's downfall. It says this, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel You must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet, Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. Let's stop for just a second. Now, I don't know how wise he was. A thousand ladies? Like... I don't know what kind of emotions was happening in that palace, but I know I don't want to be anywhere. I got three ladies in my house and I'm like, whoa, what, what did I just walk into sometimes? I'm like, I I don't, I don't understand. So anyways, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. And in Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely, there it is, faithful. I have remained faithful instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Solomon worshiped Asherah, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil on the Lord's side. He refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. What happened somewhere along life, David got complacent. He was the wisest man that ever lived. He's richer than you and I will ever be. He wrote part of the Bible for crying out loud, right? I mean, like, this guy was the man, and yet somewhere he got complacent. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe he let his past successes become his present identity. And I think that's where a lot of us get complacent is that we look at all that we've done and we say, I've done enough, but that's not, that's not biblical living. It's not about, well, I'm just going to let the next generation do it. No, 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 no. Hear me. It's about you still remaining in the race and you still fighting the fight and you still remaining faithful just because you've turned 60 or 70 or 80 or 90. Man, the kingdom of God still needs you to keep fighting, to keep running, and to remain faithful and to show the generations below you and the generations below them what it looks like to finish well. Don't don't fizzle out. Don't let, well, I've done this. Man, Solomon had all kinds of accolades to be able to say, man, he, he equipped the, 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 Israeli, the Israeli army. He was, the, I mean, people would travel for the world just to have an audience with Solomon. He was rich. He was wise. He wrote the Bible. And it's somewhere we can allow our past successes if we're not careful to become our present identity. We start coasting. The other thing is this is that Solomon knew better. Right? Solomon knew better. You go back to the text, it says this. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel. This means it wasn't fuzzy, it wasn't a fuzzy commandment. It wasn't, man, hey, this may not be a good idea. This was clear. Solomon knew better. You must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyways. In the end of verse 3, it says, and in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. He knew what to do, but he insisted on doing what he wanted to anyways. And somewhere along the line, whether it was complacency, whatever it may have been, disobedience all of a sudden became not that big of a deal to Solomon. Solomon. And Solomon started rolling through convictions in places he knew he should have stopped. And the second thing I would tell you is is simply this. If you're going to live this full life and not be a one-hit wonder, understand the truth of this. Uncommon convictions lead to an uncommon life. Uncommon convictions lead to an uncommon life. When you and I, when we have temptations and we give into those temptations, it's called compromise, And when we compromise, it may not be the first compromise, it may not be the second compromise, but eventually that compromise will lead you, will lead me to a place that we regret. But if you will allow your life to have uncommon convictions it will bring uncommon guardrails. It will bring uncommon boundaries to your life that other may, people may say, man, you seem a little overboard. Man, you seem a little bit, why are you doing that? Because I don't know anybody else that's living, to, living a life like that. Exactly because it will lead you to a place of significance if you will allow it to. Because uncommon convictions will lead you to a place of living an uncommon life, it'll lead you to the 30% that finished well instead of the 70% that fizzled out. That's it. And that's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for me. But the only one that can do that for you is you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 through 13 says this. So those who think they are standing, those here it is, those who think they're doing okay, Right, the thing, man, nothing bad's happening, just I hear what you're saying, but I'm good this morning. There, there's, I, I don't have the uncommon convictions, I don't have the boundaries, I, I'm, I'm good, I hear what you're saying. Those who think they are standing need to watch out. You, you need to be careful. You need to be cautious. You need to wake up to this moment, or they may fall because no temptation has seized you that isn't common for people, right? I I love this illustration. Um, I've got to move, but the garden of Eden, the the garden of good and evil, the, the tree of knowledge, it wasn't on the outskirts of the garden. It was in the middle, right? It was a place they passed every day. It was the common place, and no temptation has seized you except what other people experience, except what is common for people. But God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities. Instead, with the temptation, he will also supply a way out so that you will be able to endure it. He supplies conviction so that you put up boundaries that lead to significance. And some of you, if you have let your guard down, some of us that maybe you're like, ah, You know, I hear what you're saying, and Justin, those those uncommon convictions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying, but but you know, it's not that big a big of a deal today. Listen, I'm not talking about being religious. This is not a sermon about being religious. This is a sermon. About being godly and holy. And godly and holy means you are becoming more like him. And we don't like to talk about well, a lot about a, a lot about that because it makes us uncomfortable. It moves us to becoming more like him. Religion makes you more like a church. That's not the goal today. It's to become a godly and holy and righteous. And uncommon convictions lead you to that place. But some of us, the reality is we're just like Solomon. We we know. There's checks in your spirit. There's checks in my. We know when we're doing something you and I should not be doing. Nobody has to tell you this. There's a check. It's called a conviction, and yet we roll through that conviction every time. My young, my oldest daughter Charlie has her driver's permit right now, and um, she's she's a really good driver. Um, let me say that she is actually a really good driver. I didn't know. How, in fact, most of the time I'm like Charlie. Speed up, Charlie. Come on, go, 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 go. Um, but she's a great driver. In fact, I have realized I'm a good driver. I'm just not a lawful driver, right? I'm just not a legal driver sometimes. Um, uh, I, I don't know how I even survived to age 44 at this place because anytime I speak, she's like, dad, you're speeding. I'm like, shut, shut up, shut up and enjoy the ride. I, you know, just stop, right? Dad, you didn't merge right. Dad, you didn't use your blinker. Dad, you didn't, uh, you didn't yield there. And, and here's a big one. Dad, you did not come to complete stop at the stop sign. And I remember like when she first said this, I said, Charlie, to me, stop signs are suggestions instead of commandments, right? Like it is a suggestion I can I can handle. Knowing when I can roll through a stop sign, and I pray to God all our police officers aren't listening right now. Um, I, I, I under, like, I'm like, okay, I see, I'm good. Like, but but here's, the, here's the exact discussion that happened. I can roll through stop signs, but you can't, right? Parents were like, because I, I know when to roll through. I know when it's okay, but you aren't at that place of maturity. You need to come to a complete stop when you see that sign. And here's the reality. That stop sign right there, that stop sign's job is to keep me from damage, from injury, and danger. And that's what convictions do for you and for me. And they literally just bring you to a place that says, nope. Hear me, don't don't go further. And yet we do what I do with Charlie. I, I, I got this. I can tell I'm going to be okay. And, and here becomes the real big danger of it. We get away with it without there being a consequence, right? I didn't get caught that time. Nobody got hurt that time. I'm all right. And some of us, we are rolling through convictions that God has put up. And hear me, it may not happen today. It may not happen this week, this year. But if you keep rolling through the convictions, you are going to fizzle out. And be a one-hit wonder instead of living this life of significance, of remaining faithful, of fighting the good fight, and running the race that God has called you to. All because you didn't listen to that still, small voice saying, stop. Stop. In fact, here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9. It says, stay alert. Right? Wake up. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around roar like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour stand firm against him stand firm with your convictions and be strong in your faith remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are stay alert watch out wake up don't excuse it right right But here's what I have found that is true for me that's probably true for you is that when there is conviction that comes to my life, there's a tension that comes, right? And I'm like, I I know I shouldn't. No, no, I know I should stop. And some of us, we ignore the tension that comes with conviction. This morning, I wanna encourage you to pay attention to the tension that comes with conviction. I know that rhymes a lot. But pay attention to the tension that comes with conviction. Because what I can promise you is this, is that if you will do that, if you'll do that, you won't fizzle out. But if you'll put uncommon convictions up, that maybe sometimes people are like looking at you weird, and maybe sometimes people don't understand, that's okay. You and I I are supposed to live our life in such a way that it doesn't make sense to people that aren't following the Lord, right? That it doesn't blend in, that we don't blend into society without even thinking, but that our life stands out, that they could see our good works in the way that we're living our lives and that it's lived out in such a way that it points to him. Close with this, I, I had a pastor growing up He was a fantastic, fantastic speaker, like took over the small church, and it was a monster of a church back in the 80s and the 90s. He was great when his kids were in church, while they were in high school, while they're junior high, and then his kids got older, and all of a sudden, he started compromising in an area of his life. And the reality is, he got away with it for a while, but he kept rolling through a conviction. He kept rolling through a situation, and you—you've you, seen these news, news, these headlines. You know people exactly what I'm telling you, and it cost him everything. And his funeral was not too long ago, and, and wasn't able to go to it. But but what was sad to me was what his life could have been. Right, like what his life should have been, how it should have been lived out. And yet the reality is, is that he just fizzled out. He was great in a season of life. He was a pumpkin spice latte, right? He was a spiritual pumpkin spice latte. He was great for a season, but it was sad because the reality is, the truth is, and nobody said it at his funeral, like, he didn't finish very well, did he, guys? Like, I, like off with him, what a jerk. Like, nobody says that, but, but you know and I know, right? He didn't finish well. He fizzled out, and the truth is, you know people like that. I know people like that, and we don't want to be like that. And if you're not going to be like that, don't let complacency settle in your life and develop uncommon convictions, because I can promise you this. It will lead you to an uncommon life that is lived out in a powerful, significant way. 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness to us. God, I, I pray that in this place today, man, you would speak to our lives and that you would speak to our hearts and that this message would land big. God, that it would, it would hit us big right where we are because some of us, the reality is we've gotten complacent in our relationship with you and when we get complacent in our relationship with you, the tendency is simply this, we get complacent in a lot of other areas. And so today, it's not about us talking about what we have done, but it's about answering the question, what are we doing? What fight are we fighting? What race are we running? Where are we remaining faithful presently? And I I ask it for those of us that are here, that that we know we've been rolling through convictions, convictions, We know we've been rolling through the spiritual stop signs. And God, you have those there to keep us from danger, to keep us from injury, from damaging ourselves that leads to regret. God, I pray that there would be a wake-up moment, a moment where we come and we wake up and we have this alert moment of owning up to living this life the way you've called us to because when we do it your way, it's always better. So moving us, I pray today, with heads bowed and eyes closed today, if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here. And man, where I'm at, man, man I faded. I, I've been rolling through some convictions that I, I know I should be stopping at. And you say, where I'm at isn't where I should be, and I need to change that. Today, maybe you're here and you say, I've never accepted Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. But man, you wanna change that and make your life different. All I'm gonna do is count to three, and if that's you, if you need to recommit your life or make a first-time decision, I'm gonna simply ask you to raise your hand, and we're gonna lead you in a prayer. One, two, three three, is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. And you just raise your hand. Yeah. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me today. And I, I just know this is where I'm at. And there's a change that needs to happen. And you join this individual that raised their hand. Is there anyone else before we go any further in the service? You say, Justin, that's me. Man, somewhere along the line, I have fizzled out and I have faded away, but I know there's a change that needs to happen. Is there anyone else before we go any further in this service today? if you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I have sinned and that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living and I turn to you and I grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.